0: Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Ticks are vectors for all sorts of unpleasant germs, notably Lyme disease, which is the sixth most commonly reported infectious disease in the United States, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Decades after it was first identified, it's still often misdiagnosed. Symptoms include an expanding body rash, joint pains, fatigue, chills, and fever, but Could the spread of Lyme disease be attributable to a classified, decades-old bioweapons program, as some people claim? Or are ticks just as good for spreading misinformation as they are for germs? The Ticks as Weapons issue made headlines back in July of 2019, thanks to the U.S. House of Representatives, Chris Smith, who introduced legislation directing the Department of Defense to review claims that the Pentagon researched tick-based bioweapons in the mid-20th century. The amendment passed. Smith told the House he was inspired to do this by, quote, a number of books and articles suggesting that significant research had been done at U.S. government facilities, including Fort Detrick, Maryland and Plum Island, New York, to turn ticks and other insects into bioweapons. Smith explained during a debate on the House floor, quote, With Lyme disease and other tick-borne diseases exploding in the United States, with an estimated 300,000 to 437,000 new cases diagnosed each year and 10 to 20% of all patients suffering from chronic Lyme disease, Americans have a right to know whether any of this is true. And have these experiments caused Lyme disease and other tick-borne diseases to mutate and to spread? Congressman Smith's legislative actions were also inspired partly by the book Bitten, The Secret History of Lyme Disease and Biological Weapons, written by Chris Newby, a Stanford University science writer who also served as a senior producer on a Lyme disease documentary titled Under Our Skin. In the book, Newby points out that in 1953, the biological warfare laboratories at Fort Dietrich created a program investigating ways to spread anti-personnel agents via arthropods, that is, insects, crustaceans, and arachnids, with the idea that slow-acting agents wouldn't immediately incapacitate soldiers, but rather make the area dangerous for a long period of time. We spoke with Newby via email. She said, The premise of my book is that weaponized ticks full of who knows what were accidentally released in the region of Long Island Sound. While she notes that she was unable to prove definitively Lyme bacteria was used as a bioweapon, quote, There are plenty of shocking discoveries and scientific leads to lift the veil on the mysteries surrounding tick diseases and the government's response to them. Her book says that scientist Willie Bergdorfer, who is credited with discovering the specific bacterium that causes Lyme disease, was directly involved in a number of bioweapons programs. But she stops short of saying that his research was necessarily related to a Lyme disease weapon that was accidentally released into the wild. Given America's ugly history regarding unethical research, it's fair to ask whether Lyme disease was inadvertently or advertently introduced into the general population. After all, the government conducted hundreds of germ warfare tests and unethical experiments on civilians in the mid-20th century. And other examples of similar biological warfare do exist. During World War II, Japan notoriously used plague-infested insects to spread disease, particularly in China. Some 20,000 Chinese people died from this type of etymological warfare, which was carried out primarily by the infamous Unit 731. But most experts say there's nothing to investigate regarding ticks in the U.S. today. Philip J. Baker, executive director at the American Lyme Disease Foundation, wrote a lengthy document debunking claims regarding Lyme disease bioweapons research. In it, he established that both Lyme and the ticks that spread it were prevalent in the Northeast thousands of years before Europeans colonized the continent. Baker told us via email... I think it would be a complete waste of the taxpayers' money for Congress to waste its time investigating science fiction. His article notes that pathogens considered for bioweapons are usually ones that cause death or serious illness in a short period of time after release. That does not describe the Lyme disease pathogen. Also, the idea that the government tried to weaponize ticks with Lyme in the 1950s and 60s doesn't fit the disease timeline— In an article published in The Conversation, Sam Telford, a professor of infectious disease and global health at Tufts University, pointed out that Lyme wasn't even discovered until 1981. That's when Willie Bergdorfer finally pinpointed spiral-shaped bacteria called spirochetes, which were ultimately named as the cause of Lyme. Telford wrote, The real nail in the coffin for the idea that Lyme disease in the U.S. was somehow accidentally released from military bioweapons research is to be found in the fact that the first American case of Lyme disease turns out not to have been from old Lyme, Connecticut in the early 1970s. In 1969, a physician identified a case in Spooner, Wisconsin, in a patient who had never traveled out of that area. And Lyme disease was found infecting people in 1978 in Northern California. How could an accidental release take place over three distant locations? It couldn't. Telford said that growing deer populations, which spread deer ticks carrying Lyme, reforestation, particularly in the northeastern United States, where most cases of Lyme are reported, and suburbs encroaching on those forests, which brings humans into close contact with ticks and tick-infested wildlife, are the primary reasons that Lyme is becoming more prevalent, not a top-secret bioweapons program. However... Provided an organization wanted to weaponize ticks, it's certainly possible, but it's not easy. We also spoke via email with Kerry Clark, a professor of epidemiology and environmental health at the University of North Florida. He said, Weaponizing almost any type of biological agent takes a great deal of expertise. How much expertise depends on the specific agent, its entire ecology and epidemiology, including pathogenic properties, infectivity, pathogenicity, virulence, and in this case, its ability to survive in and be transmitted by ticks. Clark adds that ticks aren't an ideal choice as a biological weapons delivery system. Ticks don't typically thrive in urban environments where people are concentrated, and they are slow feeders, so someone might notice and remove them before they can do their job. Clark explained, one would also have to rear and infect a large number of ticks, and then somehow deliver them to a group of humans in a way that large numbers of people are exposed and actually bitten in a short period of time. Dropping infected ticks from an airplane or drone doesn't sound like an efficient way to incapacitate a population with a bioweapon. He noted that Lyme disease isn't quick or efficient at incapacitating people, that it wouldn't be likely to cause a large number of deaths, and that it might take months to cause even serious illness. Clark further explained that even though there's an epidemic of Lyme-like illnesses in the United States, and that many may result from tick bites, infections from tick bites aren't necessarily Lyme disease. They could be caused by other tick-borne pathogens or by infectious agents encountered in our environment in other ways besides tick bites. Perhaps the takeaway is that given the seriousness of tick-borne illnesses, the existence or non-existence of a murky government conspiracy and cover-up doesn't really matter as much as the fact that patients are still sick and the disease is still spreading. What we really need, says Clark, is to invest significant additional funding to investigate the true causes of these illnesses and to develop better diagnostics and treatments. Today's episode was written by Nathan Chandler and produced by Tyler Klang. A Brain Stuff is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more on this and lots of other topics, visit our home planet, howstuffworks.com. And for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.